Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tom Allen. Ben Weber on the board. S&P Futures. We were, up, we were up last night. Now we're down a little bit, maybe because of the lows earnings. Uh, revenue uh, down uh, they're saying revenue will be down later on in the year, which is interesting. Anyway, does SP futures down two, Dow futures down thirty, Nasdaq futures down eleven. So not much, but a little bit as the the debt thing keeps going on and on and on. I understand we have Brendan. Yes, sir. I'm here. How are yeah, you? How are you, buddy? Chief? You must be doing at least pretty good. How do you feel? Uh, well, I, I woke up this morning uh, earlier than I thought. I, I slept pretty well through the night for the first time in a few nights, and. Uh, but I might as well call in and see how the world is doing. Um, you're home. Yep, I'm home now. Well, good, good. The because uh, uh, they, they, if you stay in there too long, they like kill you. I think. <laughs> you know, that's what my parents said. My parents are a generation that never wanted to go to the doctor, and certainly never wanted to go to the hospital because they figured once you go into the hospital, you're never coming back out. Well, you know, in, in, that, in that generation, it kind of one of my uh, buddies had. Uh, prostate surgery at the University of Chicago. This was years ago. And he was supposed to be in there like a week, you know, because it takes a while for everything to get straightened out. And want, I don't want to know how that goes, but so he, he was in really good shape when he went in there. I mean, he, you know, had been working out and he was then gained an ounce in college. So he goes, yeah, he's in there like three days. The doctor goes, you know, you look pretty good to me before they kill you. Why don't you get the hell out of here? <laughs> um, so anyway, but I'm glad, glad to see you sound good. And, Thank uh, you. <clears throat> I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. You know, it's easier to breathe right now. I, um, they, they opened up a couple of the arteries with the uh, with the stents, so that was that was a good thing. So I'm getting more blood flow. But um, I have this other heart irregularity that keeps showing up, and I, I, you know, I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody over the last weekend had uh, said, "You're an unusual case," <laughs> because of my well, background and because of the structure of my heart. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one. I'm I'm zero doctor, but I kind of dealt with that a little bit I'm going to say give yourself a week and it'll be okay because it's happened to a couple other people I know that had the, the two together and I hope I'm right I hope you're right too um, uh, it, it was it was kind of a surprise because um, you know overnight on Saturday into Sunday I didn't feel anything at all And but they said that my uh, heart rhythms were very irregular and erratic so I, I now have another heart monitor on me for the next 30 days to monitor what's going on that was the reason they left me go instead of keeping me in for a few more days um, well I, I've worn those a couple times and they're kind of a pain but it's not the end of the world 30 days isn't that long mm-hmm. so hopefully yeah. uh, by the end of a week or two it won't show anything issue and you'll be out uh, at least walking pretty good and feeling better that's the hope 
uh, I can even start walking before then if I feel like it. But, boy, I'm just really tired right now. It's hard to get a good night's sleep when you're in the hospital. <laughs> well, yeah, plus if they put you under. Uh, yeah. They, 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 they keep downplaying that one. But anybody who's ever been put under knows that's that's the problem. That's the recovery problem. Yeah. Um, and yeah. no matter how, how much they sugarcoat it. Uh, anyway, so what do, you, what do you make of... Uh, We've got the, the debt ceiling stuff going, and God, Brennan, how much? Uh, I don't know it's hard. We, we we've been talking on the show, you know, and I talk to people, obviously outside the show, and it it really is hard for everybody to get to, me for sure to get your hands around like the problem and, and mm-hmm. how, how bad it is. We had a I made a mistake the other day of, of digging up when when Greg was here, Greg Pappas. Uh, the debtclock.org. So Greg, of course, pulls out his, his stopwatch on his cell phone uh, or smartphone, and uh, we're blowing through a million dollars, and he had it 40 and a half seconds, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty quick. And uh, That's pretty quick. And uh, so all the stuff these guys back and forth with limo time back and forth to the White House and bazillion words on TV, what are, what are they – when they're all done and get a deal here, which they probably will end up being done after both of them decide they're tired of looking at their face on TV, what are we going to be, every 41 seconds? I mean, we're not even anywhere near coming close to any solution to any of this. I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking, I looked the other day, and off the top of my head, I think we're, what are we, 30%? Uh, we're, we're only covering 65 to 70% of the, of the federal budget with the taxation? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's we're not we're yeah, not even close. That's interesting, isn't it? That that we're at that level <clears throat> with the, with the revenue stream coming in, and um, and yet there's no movement on both sides to both raise revenue and stop spending. Well, I, I think you know, and, and I don't I don't understand. If people have their agenda, and I, you know, when we were younger, people who had their agenda didn't get to go on TV and make it sound like it's news. Mm-hmm. What is what is? It's really starting to bug me. <laughs> I don't know why it's bugging me by old age or what, but you know, people get on it and they, and they they may like a stock and they make it sound like it's a news item. No, it's not. You just bought it. And you like it. You want other people to buy it. It's a pump and dump. But you're on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they had, <coughs> so they had a dude on yesterday, an older guy who should know better, and he was just going through the whole routine about how how ridiculous this all is, in the sense that everybody voted for all these bills. And how we have a, uh, and every once in a while, every time we go to have this debt ceiling, there's another fight over stuff that people have already voted on. Mm-hmm. And how, and how in Europe they don't do this, and you know, God knows where else he was talking about planet the planet Venus. They don't do this, and nowhere else do they do? Well, I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that's 100 percent true, Brendan. I, uh, it it makes some sense on a on a on a simpleton level, but I think. F- from what uh, Carl and you and some of the other people on the show have talked about, because I remember what all you guys say, uh, some of these bills, the, the the promise of them goes through the, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, and the promise is put into these uh, prognostications, predictions, whatever you want to call them. And you might even have, say, the Trump tax cut. By the way, I love tax cuts, and I you know I don't want to see taxes go any higher. But the fact is, it didn't come close at all to the promise. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 same way with a couple of these bills, though maybe they haven't had time, but eh, it's being too charitable, of Joe Biden's that say, 
We're going to throw money at all these people. By the way, half of it's going to be stolen by the people along the way. And at the end of the day, everybody's going to have a computer, Wi-Fi, and we're going to make so much money that it'll come back in spades for the, uh, for the federal government. Well, that's a bunch of crap, too. So w- when you do that, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it, even if you're a conservative, when I say conservative, it doesn't mean uh, right-wing. I mean somebody who actually cares about the numbers. I'm not surprised if I'd have voted for all those bills and actually believed this crap that both sides was telling me. I'd, and I sit there and look at, wow, $31 trillion, that's a little high. These bills didn't add up to that. Right. I, I, I mean, am I right or wrong? I mean, you, you, I don't think it's right to just say, uh, because we voted for them, whatever the, whatever the spending gets to and whatever the, the borrowing cap is, we should just roll with it. I don't, I don't believe that. Do you? No, I think that they should be reevaluated, and certainly when you're looking at the COVID money that has not been spent yet, that is legitimate reason to start trying to get back some of that money. And as you pointed out, there are a lot of indications that a lot of the money that was distributed to folks uh, for COVID relief was misappropriated or misused and uh, not even qualified for what they were supposed to be giving the money out for. So I think that's legitimate to start pulling some of that back. Where I have a problem <clears throat> with this is that um, this the the threat to the economy is too great right now. They're not not only the U.S. economy but the world economy to go to the edge of the cliff right now for things that have been uh, been uh, uh, approved in the past by Congress. I do think there should be a separation. Now I understand from a political standpoint that McCarthy and the Republicans right now are using this as a pressure point because. They realize that this is the most draconian action that they can take in order to try to get a reduction in spending. However, uh, given the cataclysmic possibilities of what's going to happen on or after June 1st, if there's nothing agreed to between uh, Biden and McCarthy right now, uh, that's a pretty big gamble and, and one that I, I don't think is is appropriate for the country or for the world right now. What um, It seems to me that Boy, this is just memory. Uh, why the, the 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 people that are, are perceived as causing the issue, if the government starts to shut down and somebody's got plans with their kids to go to the national park and they can't get in, that's the party that always gets blamed. So right right, right now, it would appear to me if it happens, the Republicans are quote going to get blamed. Well, see, I think that's a big gamble between between both Biden and McCarthy. McCarthy is uh, spouting that we passed a bill. We, we've, we've raised the debt ceiling limit, and now it has contingencies, it has strings attached, but we've done our job, and we have agreed to raise the debt limit. And Biden is saying, well, no, you haven't, because it's not clean, and the impact of what you're asking is so draconian, and that should be separate. The negotiations for all of the contingencies that are in your debt ceiling raising bill um, should be taken out of that and done separately. And well, so he's right about that. Both I think. sides, both sides, both sides are gambling that the other side will be playing. McCarthy's going to say that, well, we did our job, and Biden's saying, no, you didn't. And who is the general public going to believe? Why, you know, why don't one theory? One thought is that whoever's the president gets gets stuck with it. So that would mean the Democrats could blame, not the Republicans. Uh, I don't know that that seems to me that every time this has happened, whoever was the was the group in Congress doing the pushing, Democrat or Republican, get blamed. 
but it could be. Well, I agree. I, I, and I agree that's the right way to, to look at it right now, that the Republican Party in the House, but McCarthy, is the side that should get blamed for this if there's a cataclysmic event. Well, why don't these guys ever really just put it in the other guy's face? I mean, if, if Biden, well, Biden, who knows uh, what, what, how many cylinders he's got going, but um, why don't, I mean, if, if, if it was me, I would just embarrass, boy, this is too south side, uh, because you understand, you're a South Side guy. I would sit there and go, okay, Kevin, here's a bill that raises the debt limit. I, Kevin McCarthy, raised the debt limit. Here's one page. This is the crap you sent me. It's 400 pages. This is not mm-hmm. a debt, debt ceiling bill. These are the two. American people, here's, here's raised the said debt ceiling bill. Here's the other one. The guy wants to redo. But why, why, are the, why is all the tax stuff off the table? I mean, we, just, we just dramatically cut. The corporate rate down to twenty one percent, and in LLCs and other stuff. I think I'm not not a tax accountant. Um, none of that seems to have come home to roost, and how they're they actually getting more tax. I don't think so. How how is that off the table? Well, it's off the table because McCarthy has a coalition that he cobbled together. Yeah, he's got a bare majority, in, and he just had a bare majority for this proposal. So he's got a lot of things in balance. <clears throat> you know, it's like a Jenga game, the, the tower with all the, the wooden blocks, that he's got to keep his coalition, his Republican Party, together. And there are some folks who, you know, do away with the federal government spending completely. You know, they want to um, they want to do a lot more draconian things. And so he's, he's in a position right now where at least in the face of the general public, his outward appearing face has to be stay strong and these are the principles that we stand for to uh, to make this work. And, you know, I, I think it's untenable, but he, his problem is that whatever the agreement is, and, and Biden has this problem too, whichever oh, the agreement yeah. is that McCarthy and Biden reach, they have to convince 218 Republicans and 60 senators to move forward. Um, simple question that I, I do not know the answer of. If, if let's just say, for instance, since they were done recently, um, if the Democrats pass a bill with a trillion two in it for infrastructure, and at the end of a year you've only spent $900 billion, and you really have no intention of spending the other 300 that's that was quite was a portion, but it was never spent. That's never that's not mm-hmm. in that's not in your expenditures, is it? It can't be because you didn't spend it yet, right? Right. So we were talking about earlier. If there's money that you're not going to use, you you just don't use it. It comes from it, it, mm-hmm. ne- it never left. So, but I mean the the bill itself, you don't you don't add the tr- you, you add it, it'll the the, the three hundred billion you're never going to spend comes out of the CBO estimates, but it it's never really hits the Treasury statement, correct? Correct. Because I'm looking at the, the Treasury statement right now, and I've got... Well, let me kick the thing up a little bit here. Uh, I've got it at... Uh, so far this year, which is... One, two, three, four, five, six... Seven months, because the fiscal year starts in October. October 1st. I've, I've got us with us. I've got our, the country, the U.S. of A., which we are in... I've got us with uh, 2.686 in revenue, 3611 in spending, which leaves us 924 short. So, so 924 is is roughly a third, maybe a little more, well, definitely a little more than a third of the 2.686. Or wait a minute, it's, well, it's about 30 percent of what we spent. 
So we're, we're, we're basically um, almost a trillion dollars short in seven months. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one hell of a lot of dough. And I don't. It is a lot of dough. I don't mean, the, but it's not just the amount of money; it's the percentage. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't see how. I, I don't really have an issue with uh, um, the Republicans looking at somebody's expenses and saying, "What are we doing?" I mean, but but the thing that I don't know. I, th- I think you agree with me at this. I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, I'm, I'm taking advantage of it because you were in the hospital for two days. Uh, figure you're weak, but you're not. Um, I I don't get how the the Republicans want to stop some of the spending on like Medicaid or kick it back to the states, and and try and address the spending on on you know hospital stays and stuff, which you are now very familiar with, and how they without without essentially the balls to to do anything about um, hospitals charging people four different costs and things like they don't they don't address the issue, but somehow they're going to address the spending. That just means mm-hmm. people. That just means people don't go into the hospital. And I, I did some stuff. I'm just off the top of my head, but I just, I should go back and re- renew it. I got my notes here somewhere. I think the average hospital stay now. Well, you'll know when you get the bill. Uh, the average hospital stay now is like it's like ten grand or eleven grand. I wouldn't be surprised one if night. it's more than that, and, and maybe more than that. And and uh, ten years ago, it was like one or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're not even on the, yeah. on the planet on this. CPI number, so mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see how if you're in Congress. I mean, I know these guys. I mean, they're all scattered around like it's like herding cats trying to get elected again. Uh, but I don't I don't see how you can't you don't look at the issue and say, okay, wait a minute, how did we go from whatever the number was ten years ago or twenty years ago to what it is today? We got this CPI number. We have to quote fix this. We can't just cut back on the amount of money we're willing to spend if they're going to charge X. You know, I mean. Somehow or another, this has to be fixed. I mean, is it because hospitals are combining? Is it because the overhead in there? Is it because the, the CEO of Northwestern is making a bazillion dollars? I, somewhere in here, there, there's there's a fix, Brendan, and, and it's not just cutting back on, quote, Medicaid, I don't think. You're right, and and there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of waste in that. And out of the fluff, I do think it's things like CEO and upper management compensation, but there's a lot of spending wins. And I'll give you a couple of examples of the last couple of days. Uh, they came into my room uh, like every three to four hours to take my blood pressure, to draw blood and run labs and things like that. So, you know, whether they needed to draw blood every three to four hours and run the test at a cost, whether that was necessary or not, you know, let's just say that's okay, legitimately. But when they came by to give me my medication, they had these small little plastic cups and every time they put medica- gave me medication, they put the pills in these little plastic cups. And, um, and by the end, I, I told them, you don't have to use a separate cup. I mean, I'm the only one using this. So put the pills the second and the third and the fourth time in the same little cup. When they came in to take my blood pressure, they had um, a disposable um, armband for the, for the cuff. The, the blood pressure cup, and they kept using a new one every time. So they, in the course of, of my stay there, they probably used eight to ten cups just on me, and they would dispose them. They would dispose them. They, they, you know, they show me that they were opening a plastic bag, taking the cuff out, wrapping it around my arm, and then it kind of disappeared. The next time they came in a few hours later, they opened up a new blood pressure cuff, and 
you know, think about the waste and the cost to manufacture that, but also the cost of putting that into a landfill after just putting it on my arm one time. And, and I understand the safety requirements that people don't want to have, you know, mixture of body fluids and things from one patient to another. But for God's sakes, it's me the same time that they're using the same cup, uh, different cups over and over and over again, which is a tremendous waste, both so I don't think they trust the They don't trust the person who's putting out the pills in pharmacy to put two of them in the same spot. Well, you know, if I had five pills that they put in this plastic cup, they put all five in the same cup. But the next time they came by, they put another five pills in another plastic cup instead of just taking the one off my tray, walking over to the counter, putting the pills in there, and giving it back to me. So, um, it, you know, I was just amazed at the waste. And even when I told them to use the same one, now, you know, obviously the, there's different shift nurses coming in over time. So, uh, you know, one person gives me the medication. The next time I have medication, is a different nurse. But still, you know, why do you keep doing so many disposable things with things that are perfectly good to be reused for the same patient? Well, I had the, uh, this is a while ago, I had a bicycle accident. This is years ago. In Lincoln Park, where my fingers was all messed up. So, um guy uh, was a compound dislocation right so then they, they put everything back together and uh, so I had a couple stitches and they bring out, do you ever see a stitch removal kit it's this huge thing, it looks like a uh, a fingernail and toenail kit, you know it's got tweezers it's got clippers, it's all kinds of stuff like the best one you've ever seen mm-hmm. so, so they pull this thing out they remove one stitch and the guy throws it in the trash and I go mm-hmm. What are you doing? He goes, well, we throw them out. I said, all you did was clip a, a stitch. You can't steam that thing. Or, A, you couldn't give it to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, no, we we got to throw them out. I'm going, really? I mean, it's the average overnight, insured overnight hospital stay costs about 11000 bucks. Okay, eleven seven. But This price tag varies significantly by type of insurance coverage and if you have insurance coverage at all. All right, so the minimum, say the minimum wage is 12 So that's... One night is 975 hours work. Wow. That's kind of a lot. That is kind of a lot. And, I, I would, and if, you, if you have a more complicated case, like I was in a cardiac unit, yeah, it's, it's dramatically more. Um, one of the guys here in the building, and, and you used to come in, so you know what I'm talking about, his wife went to Northwestern for a day of tests. She had a, some kind of a scan or whatever. She had a bouquet, I think, thank God. A really nice lady. She... It was, it was 19.8 for like three hours of tests. Mm-hmm. And his insurance, he's got to pay 25%, so he gets a bill for like five grand. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, what what exactly did they do to this lady in four hours without any kind of surgery or anything that was 20 grand? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I bet you could have gone. I mean, I, just, I needed a, uh, um, what do you call it? A, uh, what's the thing? You go into the, the tube and they. As loud as hell. The the MRI. MRI. So I, I needed one of those not that long ago, and uh, I've, I learned a lot about MRIs, right? First of all, it's hard to get into one. And if you want an open one, which they're not really open if you're getting your back done, but anyway, it's that's another story. Well, there's, I think there's one on the south side that was like 800 bucks. Hospital was like six grand, I think. And there's one that you don't even need a prescription, or if you just want to walk in and say you want one, and they'll read it for you. It's like 500 There's a couple of places. Mm-hmm. I mean, the machine costs a bunch, obviously, and there's one person who attends the thing or runs it, for lack of a better term, which is a little freaky because they give you a shot with this stuff in it, 
And I said, what, what happens if I'm allergic to it? Hey, what do they do, call the bus? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, you know, and I, how, how could the thing vary from, like, three, four hundred bucks to six grand? Or five yeah, I, I've seen re- I've seen news reports on uh, newspaper uh, investigative reports about that, and the disparity in prices from one hospital to another for the same procedure is remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a uh, one of my uh, buddies has to go in and get a hip replaced, which is kind of bizarre because the guy's in good shape; he's not heavy and never had an injury. But two knees are fine, one hip's fine, the other one's messed up. So I don't know where he's going to go for it. Uh, but of course, he's got to wait like three months, which is, you know, I, and I'm no doctor, but I said, hey, geez, don't, don't, don't wait that long, because if, you, if you're if you limping around, you're going to wreck one or the other. By the time you're done, you're going to yep. need a knee, too. Um, so I kick up, Kevin says to me, look up this uh, surgical center of Oklahoma. I go online, and for uh, the full hip, guaranteed um, the, uh, you know, whatever infections, anything, they take, take care of all that, it's like seventeen five. And yet other places are 40, 50. Yeah. There's a guy yeah. here at Rush that doesn't take that doesn't take Medicare, and you've got to give him a person. If you have Medicare, I guess the hospital will take it. You've got to write him a personal check for 20G, and the hospital charges the rest of the stuff. Well, what the hell, mm-hmm. Brandon? I mean, I, you know, I'm, um, it's just kind of bizarre. <laughs> world. So what, what's your prediction? Uh, June 1st is going to be done, or uh, they're going to push over? I'm afraid they're going to push over because I don't think that either side will be able to keep their coalition if they give up too much or be seen to be given too much. I mean, from my way of thinking, the logical way of doing this would be to pass a clean debt limit and say, we will continue talking about this uh, on the spending side with the new bill because it's coming up with October 1st. I mean, you're absolutely right that October 1st is the beginning of the new fiscal year. So these budgetary stuff issues will be coming up again in August and September as we move closer to October 1st. And that's the time to really hold this in place. The other possibility that I see is a short-term extension. You know, like they do with the budget, with the continuing yeah. resolutions, instead of passing a budget every year, they do a continuing resolution just to extend it. I can see them doing a short-term clean extension for two weeks or a month or something while the back and forth between McCarthy and Biden still goes on. Uh, quick question: How many at thirty percent in a hole every year? How many years we get to, we get to go before the interest rates go to the moon and they can't borrow? You can't get blood out of a turnip after a certain time. Well, uh, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I think the uncertainty of what's going to happen and the uncertainty of getting uh, obligations repaid uh, is a bigger trigger <clears throat> than the actual dollars that are, are increasing like that. The idea that you know who's going to invest if you don't think you're going to get paid. Or if you don't think you could get paid because of X or Y being in power in the, as the uh, Speaker of the House or the President. All right, bud. Take care of yourself. Next week, you're, you'll be 100% my prediction. Uh, but thank you for calling in. SP Futures down 475. SP Futures down 14. When Joel comes back, we'll talk about these lows earnings a little bit. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Mount. We're on the board. SP futures down six, NASDAQ futures down 19. We were up uh, most of the night. Not that I was checking it every minute, but I checked it last night uh, after the basketball game. We were up some. Uh, we're not now. Uh, look over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down 30, but they, they've been up lately. It's only 0.2%. FTSE up 21.3. GAC around down 58.8. They're the only ones that's showing any real movement to the downside. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 129. These guys have been real strong. Uh, 0.4%. Matter of fact, they've made a uh, the highest, I think yesterday they were the highest they were since, God, 1980-something when they were 35,000. They just ducked under uh, 31,000 today, 30,957. Hang Seng down 246, one and a quarter percent, 19.4. Shanghai down 50, that's a big move for those guys. That's one, that's a percent and a half, 32.46. Uh, Hong Kong is at a, a two-month low, so really bizarre. Nikkei is at like a 20-year high at the same time. Hong Kong's at a two-month low, but they've been doing that over there. Yesterday, Dow was down 140, S&P down up 65 cents, so that was a flat one. NASDAQ up uh, 62, so we continue to have the NASDAQ carrying the market, and really only about five or six stocks in the NASDAQ, and one of these days, either they're going to have to stop going up, or the other market's going to have to catch up, and I don't know which. I don't think anybody knows which. Bonds uh, up two basis points, 3.74. It's getting, you know, it's pushing towards 4%. The bond up four basis points, 2.49. Japan up three basis points, 0.42. We've got oil up 60 cents, 72.65. Brent up 60 cents, 76.61. Natural gas down two cents, 2.37. Arbob up four cents, 2.68. So that's creeping back up again. Gold, whack, whack, down another 16 bucks, 19.60. Silver down 56 cents. That's a, almost a 2.5% move in silver, 23.29. Copper down five cents, three sixty-three. Uh, beating up on the silver pretty bad lately. I don't know. It's a and copper as well. So the the idea that those are manufacturing uh, uh, inputs, boy, oh boy, manufacturing can't be doing so hot here. 
Uh, Bitcoin up 459, back over 27,000, 27,307. And the U.S. dollar, last but not least, is actually is up again today. That's why this other stuff is down, or gold, I mean. So the euro is down to 107.8. Uh, it was up to almost 111. That's like a 3.5% move in a month. That's a lot. Uh, British pound down to 1.23. It was pushing 1.28. So, again, that is down as well. Anyway, for us, Trevor Wheeler Sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a pretty good start here on a Tuesday morning, but uh, we do have one concern on the inbound Stevenson. A broken down semi uh, where the trailer came off. Uh, and uh, cars are, are getting by on the right, but it's a significant slowdown. It's on the inbound Stevenson right at the Harlem Avenue exit, number 283, and has that entrance ramp closed onto the Stevenson as uh, crews are working to get that semi-trailer out of the way. And that's uh, our only issue on the expressways. Off the expressways, there's a crash in the northwest suburbs, Meacham Road at Golf Road. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, another beautiful day before we cool down for a couple of days, and then we'll warm back up for the weekend. Uh, but today, just absolutely gorgeous. Sunshine, a high of 75. Right now, it's crystal clear and 61 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny and hot with a high of 100 today. Right now, it's clear and 78. In sports, White Sox were shut out by the Guardians last night, 3 to nothing. Cubs were off. They'll welcome the New York Mets into town tonight. That's a 640 Chicago time first pitch at Wrigley. Diamondbacks are playing good ball. They beat up on the Phillies 6-3. to So as we take a Tuesday morning look at the MLB uh, standings, White Sox are 19-30 and already, 11 games below 500. Just six and a half back, though, in the AL Central, arguably the worst division in baseball. But they also have the uh, one of the best records since April 30th. They do. At 6-4 and four in the last 10, uh, they are six and a half back of the first-place Twins. Cubs are reeling. Uh, they're three and seven in their last ten, and uh, really haven't played well for the last month. Uh, they're down to twenty and twenty-six. So they were five games above five hundred. Now they're six games below five hundred. Four and a half games back of the first place Pirates, as the NL Central isn't much better than the AL Central. Uh, but the D-backs are a surprise, Chief. Twenty-eight and twenty. Uh, they've won eight of their last ten and three in a row, and they're just a game and a half back of the first place Dodgers. Lastly, uh, the Denver Nuggets have won the Western Conference for the first time in franchise history, uh, sweeping the Lakers after coming back from 15 down in the second half to uh, beat L.A. 113-111 last night, sweep that series four games to zero. They'll take on the winner of the Heat versus the Celtics. Uh, game four of that series is tonight. The Heat looking to sweep Boston as Miami leads three games to zero themselves. Chief. Should I bring a broom up to the Tripoli? <laughs> That'll be well received at the uh, the rowdy Boston bar. They were uh, they were not rowdy Sunday night. We have a uh, Joel. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Chief. How you doing? How you doing on this uh, this Tuesday? This uh... doing all right. You know, a little confused about the uh, uh, with the you know the debt ceiling stuff going on, and uh, we have we have an OPEC guy warning us about their next meeting. What the hell does that mean? Oh, oh, that that. Come on, Chief. It's the same story time and time again with the OPEC. Yeah. They cut, they cut, they rally, it holds. They say, oh, we're, we're, we're cutting production. They're pumping behind the scenes. It goes back down to 70, 71, and they talk again. I mean, how many times have we heard this? I, I Historically, and I've been talking about this for, for years, you know, when, when crude was, you know, with under ten dollars. I'm not going to go with that that negative forty stuff. That was an aberration of one month delivery. But let's say the real low was ten. 
And let's say, I mean, it did trade up to 120, whatever contract you're looking at. Those are, those like are anomalies. Those are things that we might not ever see again in our lifetime. The, the median price for crude oil is, what, 50, 60 bucks over the course of time. It's having problems getting there. 70 seems to be, you know, the floor for now. But, I mean, you know, the people that, you know, that call for $30 crude, I think, you know, I could go tell them what to do. The people that call for $120, $150 crude, I could go them tell them what to do. It's, uh, it's the same cycle. As far as the debt ceiling goes, I mean... They're going to get it done. It's just a matter of when. You know, how, how much, you know, that the Republicans are going to try and, you know, drag it out as long as possible and make the Democrats look as bad as possible. And the Democrats are going to drag it out as long as possible and try and make the Republicans work as, you know, look as worse as possible. So, uh, but, you know, not very opinionated today, but that's what I think on those two issues. Well, that's, uh, so what, do you, what do you make of uh, Lowe's earnings? What do I make of Lowe's earnings? I'm worried about the consumer, okay? I mean, Home Depot, Lowe's, I mean, we're starting to see, you know, we're starting to see some signs of a slowdown. But if you want to take the flip side of that, that if you're starting to see a slowdown, you're starting to see a recession, then that's good because interest rates uh, are going to stop going up, right? So, I mean, they had an EPS beat, right, 367, three, you know, three, four, uh, against 344, I mean, they're probably worried about forward guidance, but it's really a mixed bag here as far as, you know, these earnings. We've had some good earnings. We've had some bad earnings, but I just think, you know, overall, people, we're just kicking it down another quarter. It's probably the comparable sales uh, that were down uh, 4.3%. Yeah. Um, just everyone, now everyone's going to worry about Q2. We're worried about Q1. Now we're going to worry about Q2. Well, I went to... Uh... I haven't done much. I'll keep this very brief because I don't have that much time. I haven't done that much stuff in my place in the last, you know, two and a half, three years, mostly because of the COVID. Plus, I don't have that much left to do. So I haven't, I haven't been making my run every every month or every day over to Home Depot. But Saturday, I had some guys over, and we were doing some stuff that we you know, kind of catch up. So I had to get a mixture of basically crap, <laughs> you know, bulbs and caulk and stuff that you end up, you know, you just sort of need, right? Some stuff to, stuff to fix the toilet, that kind of stuff. You know what? Joel, I got I got the the basket isn't even remotely full. I kind of noticed. Geez, I, I used to pay six bucks for this clock, and now it's like twelve. Uh, but I don't really, you know, it's not like I keep a, a, a file cabinet in my brain about clock prices. But I, I get to the cashier, it's two hundred and fifty six bucks, and I'm looking at my cart going. Three years ago, that's that's one and a quarter. That's one forty. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even we're not even on the same planet here, you know, <laughs> in terms of. Uh, what I'm buying versus, when you start talking about seven or eight cu- uh, tubes of caulk at twelve bucks versus six, it starts to add up. I mean, I don't know how you put a house up, you know, when you're using several hundred of them. I mean, I, uh-huh. we're not even talking about you know, stuff that's the, the the pneumatic tubes for replace on the screen door. They're not twelve anymore; they're twenty nine. I mean, anything that, anything okay. that's not, you know, I mean, maybe the two by four price has gone back down with the lumber price going down, but all this other stuff, they're just jabbing you as hard as they can. And I don't, when you look at Lowe's numbers, I don't even know where those numbers come out. They they obviously come out in the there's there's probably less people there uh, or something. But the ticket the ticket has to be higher. I mean, are the individual prices? I don't, I don't know how you even figure out whether they're doing well or not. Yeah, I mean it's it's the guy that's cut that uh, 
is spooking the market or you know it's spooking lows here i mean it's overall i think it's a it's definitely a combination of two things we are past that you know pandemic oh i'm around my house i fix up my house this is things you know that i need to do uh and um and that and then also you know well uh you know if you're you know if prices are going up everything and you're spending more money on your your transportation or your food well maybe that that little odd job around the house uh, gets pushed back and uh you know based on the prices so it's a it's definitely a combination of things and uh you know it just it depends if the if the market will look at it again as it does so successfully day after day and find a silver lining and saying okay yeah this is the turn the fed's done interest rates are going down free money for all so that's the way it's where you're gonna look at it uh Got to hop here in a second. I mean, Chief, it's yeah. I heard you say before I came on about you know these tech stocks and they're leading us and they're going up. They're down today, but seems like if they're down today, they're getting oh, there's good banking news. We'll buy the banks. We'll you know if we're gonna buy a retailer, maybe we'll buy Dick Sporting Goods. So um, it's uh, we're at a very important point in the market, waiting on the debt ceiling. We're at near the highs for the year. Uh, you know feels like we want to poke through but you got to respect that you know the recent highs and uh you know the high of the year is major resistance until it's taken out all right take care of yourself but at least right, detroit didn't detroit didn't fire their coach did they many yeah Not that I know uh, in, in basketball yeah or, yeah they did they did <laughs> well, they plenty of good coaches out there plenty of good coaches out there man pick up Doc rivers for god's sake Oh, man. There's a lot of them. Right? Yeah. Monty Williams. Okay. All right, take go. care. Go blue. SP Futures uh, down 750. NASDAQ is down 25. Um, I didn't, did Monty Williams get fired, Mitty? He did in Phoenix. Wow. I like Monty Williams. Oh, Notre, I, Notre Dame everyone Red. else did, too, and, and uh, it was pretty surprising. I think, now, if, if Kenny were to let loose some of the money from the wallet and buy one of these teams, would he fire all his coaches every year if they didn't win? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? I would, I'd, I'd see you... Uh, I'd like to see you on the side of the uh, cord, but you know the one thing about um, I don't think you would put up for put up with when the they did the Jordan uh, Jordan rules thing. And yeah. the, the commissioner would come to Chicago. This is back in the good old days, Kenny. The commissioner was in the second row, and all the four guys in front of him were traders in the IBM pit. Uh huh. So, see now today, I think the commissioner would probably be in the front row. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't so think, what's going on? Nothing. You tell me what. Uh, We've got all this crazy stuff going, and, and uh, it's noise, yeah. noise, noise. It's all noise. None of what's going on uh, is going to price stocks in the long term. It creates chaos and drama in the short term, which then provides opportunity. But in the long term, none of this creates or none of this really prices stocks, right? And the fact that they keep using inflammatory language and default and ap- apocalyptic and cataclysmic is ridiculous and it should be shameful because we all know we're not defaulting and we all know they're going to raise the debt ceiling. However they do it, we know in the 11th hour it's going to happen. It happens every time, right? Now, could they shut the government down? Sure, they've done that before. Is it uncomfortable for people that get furloughed? Of course it is. And it shouldn't happen uh, but you could certainly shut the government down, and that's not a default. Let's just make that clear, because if that's what they announce, oh, we're going to shut down the parks, oh, we're going to furlough workers. Okay, great. That's not a default. We didn't stop paying. Well, I especially our, like uh, the part that were our, our, our key budget. I especially like Say the again? part where you have your, uh, your, you know, your your family members you're taking to the park, and you 
basically piss away all the dough with the airfares and stuff you get there because right. they close the park. The guys in the park get three months off, then they all get their money back. Right? Like, but you don't but get they all yours, get their money back, right? But you don't get and yours back. Oh, yeah. you know, we can't pay our bills. Great. So you don't pay your bills for three months. It's, just, it's like a domino effect. Okay, so you don't pay your electric bill, you don't pay your Comcast bill, and then you say, look, I get a from the government. They go, oh, okay. And then when you get paid, then you pay your bills, and that's it, right? What do you think of Brennan's uh, figure they just extended? They come up with a stopgap for six months and say, yeah, you know, we'll yeah, add half yeah. a trillion. The thing is, yeah, what I'm saying is that they're going to come up with a solution, right? And we all know they're going to come up with a solution, and they're all going to pat themselves on the back and say, oh, look how we worked through Memorial Day. Look at how hard we worked. We, we, know, that, we know that they're going to win, and so that they're going to make a deal, whatever the deal is, right? Um, because, look, they got plenty of money to send to Ukraine. they got plenty of money to provide unemployment benefits to illegal immigrants. they got plenty of money to house them and feed them. So suddenly we don't have plenty of money to run our government? Come on. Well, what? Uh, why? Why do you suppose? I mean, boy, I ask stupid questions like this because um, Greg Pappas the other day, uh, who helps us out on Monday and Wednesday, he uh, made a mistake. I, I sent him to DebtClock.org, right? Which I never should have yeah. done. The guy pulls out his stopwatch, and we we're blowing through a million dollars to the debt every forty and a half it, seconds. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So how how is it that at the end of the day, these people in Washington? That's the problem. It's not that's I mean, I mean, the problem. I mean, if if they come with some other some little nudges here and there, and run it to forty two seconds, which I doubt they're even going to do. If they even do that, how is right. it? I mean, and you've got uh, I, I I know guys in the you know the local establishments where you'll hear the uh, you know the Fed guy will come in a couple times and I'll say, well, boy, I don't know if I believed half of what he said. What do you right. mean? He, the, the answer is, what do you mean? He was perfect. The market went up. Their job is to keep the market up and keep my value safe. I mean, up, right? it, it, I, somehow we're getting very, very uh, off off the road here at what people are supposed to do. And uh, Greg, Greg's a young guy. He was on yesterday. He's been a trader. We kind of have a little, we had a discussion on the air, and, yeah. I, and I talked to him afterward. And it's funny. He, I said, everybody, you know, he's younger than Maddie. Uh, yeah. The the concept that. Every, of a, like a risk-free rate, and nobody should ever give their money to somebody else for nothing. Nobody should ever get to use other people's money for free. I, w- I was like talking to somebody that he, it's the first time he even heard something like that. I mean, in his lifetime, you know, the uh, the job of the of the Fed is to keep the market up. <laughs> it, by the way, the, the job the, you're supposed to give money to banks for free. That's normal. I mean, I, I you know, I, I feel like I'm talking to the wind yeah, here. Or well, something. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, no, I it's, it's, explain. No, you go ahead. I mean, we're, it, I don't even know. The, the, I mean, we just came off a, a three-year period where we we shut the economy down and the market went up. I, I hear you. And I think the market, I think once this, you know, if they come to a deal, I think the market will rally. At least it's going to It'll be this relief rally, right? right? Because they'll take that narrative off the table. And then the market will once again start to focus on what really matters. And what matters is, What's the economy doing? What's the Fed going to do? You heard yesterday Jimmy Bullard. He thinks rates have to go up another 50 basis points before they see the end of uh, rate heights. Now, he didn't say it has to happen in June. He said we could pause in June, but if anybody thinks we're pivoting, they should get that right out of their head because he potentially thinks it's going up at least two more 25 basis point moves, whether it's in July and September or whether it's in September and then November, whatever it is. He didn't see uh, uh, cuts at all, and so therefore I think once... Once that people start refocusing on that, 
then that will, you know, start to, that's what really is going to price stocks, not this debt ceiling ridiculousness and Janet yelling coming out every day, you know, telling us we're going to implode on June 1st. I mean, come on. How does that lady even have a job? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how she has a job, and you would think she would know better, considering she was Treasury Secretary. You would think she knew better, right, than to come out and, and I mean, she was Fed Chair, and so you would think that she would know better than to come out and start, you know, creating all this drama around uh, around a debt ceiling default that we know is. Listen, the Fourteenth Amendment, which which potentially Joe Biden is already looking at, you know, using that as a lever. I don't really think in the end he's going to pull it, but I guess he could if he wanted to. He'd be the first president to do it, which you know would be another uh, another notch in his legacy, another another thing that he's going to be known for besides Afghanistan and all the other crap that he's done. But one way or the other. Um, you know, he's threatening to pull that lever and, and that would just bypass Congress completely because he said, look, we're not defaulting. So, and we know we're not defaulting. So if they can't come to an agreement, he'll pull that lever and then he'll go, look, we didn't default. Well, how does, how does, uh, continually borrowing, borrowing and borrowing and borrowing when you, when nothing is, is balanced, I mean, you're, you're, you're heading, you're heading to that cliff no matter what. Of course, of course, it makes zero sense. And uh, like you said, to your point, even if they even if they hold spending at 2022 levels, which is what the GOP has asked him to do, he said, OK, if you want to do that, you have to raise taxes. <laughs> OK, but what's it really going to do to the debt clock? Is it, we're, so we're going to we're going to blow through a million dollars. Like you said, in 42 seconds versus 40 seconds. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. This What are we talking about? Well, I mean, there are there are if if these people had anything other to do than trying to get themselves elected and get FaceTime. They would have to recognize that the Trump tax cuts that was sold to people as is going to bring in more revenue obviously has not. It never, it never was going to, and it never did. I mean, the the idea that that the corporate rate should be twenty. See, I was under the impression that fact it did bring more revenue. Are you sure that it didn't bring in more I'm revenue? Saying it, I was in the well, because yeah. you have this in, incredible inflationary spiral. You're bringing okay. it, you're bringing in more revenue. I mean, but the idea that that. Uh, if, if you held everything constant, the drop in corporate rates down to 21% was going to cause all this productivity, and you'd actually end up with more money. Kenny, that's, right. that's BS. I mean, we know that. Then, I, mean, I, I mean, yes, when, in, in, when you have uh, an inflation rate of whatever the hell we've been, 15%, you're going to end up with more money. Look how many people right. you, you, drew, you, you drove yep. you know, from over 40. I mean, if you make 42000 your tax rate is, is 12%. If you make 52. And the part over, it's it's what, twenty two. So right, but you're, you're, wait a minute. But when when Trump passed those tax packages early in his presidency, are you say I thought that the year after and the year after that we actually that tax revenues actually went up. Are you saying? Oh uh, no, no. I'm saying that the, the tax the tax revenues went up because of of the inflation. What I'm saying, the point was, is that because of the excess, the real tax rate, we, yeah. we're actually going to have. In other words, we held everything else constant. That's, that was my point on the lows. How do you even know, with, with Joel, how do you even know what you're doing with the prices are going up this fast? Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean yes, in, in Reagan's time, he, he cut tax rates and the tax continued to go up. But he was, he was running 12% inflation right. every year, and you were, every, everybody was jumping three tax, tax percentages. Right. So, so yeah, he, right. he ended up with more money, but he, how, do you, how do you cut one from the other? No, but right. it, the the plan was that if, if corporations go from thirty five to twenty one, they're going to yeah. be so much more efficient that they're actually going to bring in more real dollars if you kept everything together. Right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. Same okay, way well, with Biden saying, 
if, if we spend a trillion dollars and everybody gets a Wi-Fi, everybody's going to make so much money that our actual revenues are going to go up. Well, how do you how do you figure that one if, if you've got inflation at ten percent? Well, but inflation wasn't ten percent during the Trump era. It became ten yeah. Biden era. I, right? I I think it's been inflation. way higher. I think it's been a minimum of five percent since Obama started. Yeah. Okay. And that, that might be true. That might be true. But listen, speaking of inflation, did you see what's going on in Italy? Pasta's up eighteen percent month over month. I, I knew you. I knew you'd pick that one up. <laughs> you know, at, at the local probably. Myers here, you can't you can't buy more than four pounds of pasta at one time. <laughs> oh, they must be going crazy over there. They're making it. They have to end up making it themselves. Most of them do yeah, right. but what's what's the shortage? The shortage is in Durham wheat, right? There, well, it was the price of Durham wheat. They blamed it on during the during you know during uh, COVID and the supply shortage that it was the price of Durham wheat that shot up, and now that's the positive that they're selling, which doesn't really make sense because that was already two years ago. But um, one way or the other, it's up eighteen percent month over month. It's ridiculous. What uh, what are, what are you noticing? I I was on the uh, had my my big mouth talking about eight months ago that the actual pace of inflation had slowed because. The money supply, you know, it started to go the other way. And even though the price level was still way higher than people want, the actual pace of inflation is, I think, Kenny, since those guys put all that money back in to save that one bank, I think in the last yeah. three to three to eight weeks, I've seen the pace of inflation kick up again. Every, every place I've gone for, you know, you know, if I've been out at all, every place, the price of a glass of wine or a drink or a dinner has been up another one or two bucks. Every place. I mean, it, to yeah. me, it's a, and I, I can't believe what I spent at Home Depot on Saturday for nothing, two hundred fifty six yeah. bucks for 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 caulk and light bulbs. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's. I went out to dinner on Saturday night with a client. There were just two of us. We were at a local watering hole, the River House, right on the water and right on the intercoastal in North Palm Beach, and it, I, nothing fancy. But I mean, it was a nice day. It was a nice meal. But I ended up spending two hundred thirty dollars for two yeah. of us to have dinner. Yeah, you're pushing. You're pushing a hundred dollars a person Easy. at any at any decent Easy. restaurant now. Even if you're not you're not getting a steak. I'm talking about if you're getting pasta. Right. And I had chicken paillard, by the way. Yeah. And he had woodfish. It's so funny. I spent two hundred and thirty dollars. Well, I mean, I, you can you can get I'm just saying it's ridiculous. Well, I mean you, you can't you know you know what you find we went out for Saturday night as well to a place that's it's it's actually really good, but it's it's a big crowd out in Burr Ridge, so it's in a you know, it's in a nicer area. But you know, you know, you find. I mean, you probably know this. It's 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 your your bottom in a seat. You can yeah. for twenty five hours. You can get a, a a plate of something where you're taking half of it home. If you look for the cheapest thing on the menu, the cheapest appetizer is twenty bucks. So if you're yeah. if, you, if you already had a couple of appetizers and you're not you're not that hungry, you order the cheapest thing. You might as well order the dinner and bring it home and eat it for two days. I mean, it's it be you can't find a even a house Chianti now is twelve bucks anywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know that bottle that bottle costs them ten. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean we're up to five to one on everything. Which yeah, is, no, which, I, I hear you loud and clear. It's a, so I think it's it's continuing to run up. I don't know what uh hospital stays are I mean, they're off the chart. I mean any kind of tests or anything. It's it's anything. not stopping, Kenny. It isn't stopping. Uh, anything. Anything. My wife had to go get a, a get an MRI on her shoulder two weeks ago. I just got the hospital. It was nine thousand dollars. I'm going to say, a- there's places here in Chicago she could have gone for five hundred. Are you thousand dollars? Yeah. You know, they build the insurance company. But what I'm saying is, it's ridiculous. Nine thousand dollars for all of fifteen minutes. Come on. 
I would, I would say, I would say the uh, difference. You could go from anywhere from four hundred to to five six thousand here in Chicago area for same MRI. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Can you have a nice week, buddy? Are you guys getting hot down there? Or are you still okay? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. All right, we still got to work you know, on this New York that, trip. That, that micro tornado. Say it again. I uh, said so we still got to work on this New York trip. Maybe to fall. Oh yeah, listen, whenever you want. I told you I'm happy to do it for you, but we should do it because I'd love to do it. Well, if the Yankees get in the, in the World Series, you can take me to your Skybox. <laughs> just saying. SP Futures now down 12. Nancy Futures down 47. Kenny, thank you. Be right back. Professor Elsnar. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Lone Rope Base Tax and Jackson. Tomorrow, I'm Weber on the board. SP Futures now down 12. As Futures down 44. So we're sliding here a little bit. Uh, individual stacks. Uh, we've got Dick's Sporting Goods. It came out decent stuff. They're up 264. Uh, trade 129.04. Uh, lows not not as well, but still no no big move. They're uh, trading down 240 to 275. So again, not not crazy. Not like around 10 percent or anything. Do we have the professor. Hey, good morning. How are you? Have you been watching any of the NBA games? Yeah, I watched the one last night. Um, I read an article before the game started. It was about, uh, um, an, you know, a conspiracy theory about how they brought on this official. And his nickname was, like, the extender. The, the NBA has an incentive to 
have this series go to seven games because it's more money. Oh yeah. So I was, I was I was looking to see if any of that was valid. Well, there was a that what, what was in what what movie was that in? Maddie was that in the one of these these things they just made for TV? It was in there. It, it was in there, right? There was one one official came in and he always was he always uh, favored the team to go to the extra game. Yeah. Which what wasn't in the Jordan thing? What was it? Was it the one in the, about the uh, Lakers? I know. I think there was a separate documentary. I'm not sure. Um, I remember reading about what you're talking about, but I don't know if I actually watched it. I don't think I watched it either. But I remember. There's reading been about rumors it. about that for a long time, though. That uh, the NBA obviously is going to, you know, not fix the game necessarily, but a 50-50 call uh, is is going to go the way of the whatever's going to extend the series. <laughs> well, you and I have always been somewhat at odds about this, only because of. Uh, um, I'm going back in time before there was a Matty Weber, but back in the day when the NBA was not, I'll say, as, as popular as it is now, you'd watch all the all the middle the middle of the road home teams. Uh, like if if the Bulls were, weren't that good, played like Kansas City that weren't that good. Oh, they, I mean, they were they were actually all had a, a star and they were decent teams, but they weren't high, top teams. The only teams that could get a call on the road were like Boston or the Lakers. Everybody else, I mean. You'd see the Bulls against the other middle-of-the-pack teams won like 75% of their home games, and so did the other guys. So the object was to send the home crowd away somewhat happy. So you'd get one or two calls in the last two minutes that were blatantly your way, and if you then if you still blew those, then, then you still lost. But you, you got a little something-something. I mean, the NBA was very aware of their... I mean, they weren't professional wrestling, but they were a hell of a lot closer to it than, say... You know, football or baseball because baseball. <laughs> you know, I didn't, but uh, what um, thing I wanted to ask, and it's and uh, it's actually a topic I think Hal would be interested in. I listening to the Miami game on the radio the other day because I was driving home and uh, and they, well, who's who's the uh, the lady that does the color analysis for ESPN on the radio? She's really good. I don't know. I couldn't didn't catch. It her wasn't name. Doris, was it? Doris is doing TV. Okay. Um. Well, she hasn't been doing TV. I mean, she does some series, but she doesn't. Oh, she was. I thought she was on. I uh, thought she might have been doing radio lately. Um, she she did the TV the other night for one. She's of not doing the conference finals, is what I'm saying. I thought she did the Boston game the other night. Um, maybe she didn't. I think it's Reggie Miller and Stanley. Well, it depends on what network. I mean, it's possible she did. Anyway, but it might have been her. But we're talking about that. Pat, uh, uh, Pat Riley has amazingly put a team together with people that were free agents, and hasn't done with the. Ink three big stars that leave after two years, and how he's gone a totally different road, and how he's so happy these guys are. I mean, Butler is a bona fide star, but I don't know that he, but he hasn't been one of those that's changed from team to team on his own volition just to go play with people. But he said he's this team he's put together, where a lot of these guys nobody else wanted. I mean, I, I don't know that much of the makeup of the team is. There's no doubt about that. I can speak to it a little bit. I mean, uh, Bam uh, Adebayo out of uh, Kentucky, that's that's their one sort of big lottery draft pick that's in their core. He's really good. And he's a really sort of versatile uh, big that can also step out and, and play, you know, guard perimeter he guys. Hustles, he hustles his ass off. And and so that that's kind of the big draft pick. And then they have a couple of uh, lower picks. You know, they got Duncan Robinson uh, as a free agent, I think. I don't even think he was drafted. I think he was a, as a free agent, and he's been a very good player for them. And then uh, Tyler Hero, who's hurt and out this series, he was a first-round pick. Other than that, of their like top eight or ten guys, none of them they drafted. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler, obviously, they acquired. Uh, he was with the Bulls, and then he was with Minnesota, and then he was with Philadelphia, and then he sort of got the reputation that he was a locker room cancer. 
and he went to Miami, and seemingly he's been a model citizen and been you know a top ten player in the league. Uh, Kyle Lowry, a, a guy they got from the Raptors, who was a, a, a champion and, and uh, you know a leader and a really good player. Kevin Love, they got this season sort of late. He was on the scrap heap, uh, you know, didn't didn't really fit in the plans of Cleveland anymore. And he comes in, he's been a valuable contributor. Uh, they they got a bunch of these kind of guys that are kind of journeymen. Um, Victor Oladipo, who was who hurt, uh, it was a really good player that they got in a trade. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting roster construction. It's nothing like the typical, like you said, the two or three star players collude together and decide to go sign somewhere and, 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 and compete, you see, which we've seen with LeBron and Kevin Durant and many others for, for years now. Well, I would, uh, you know, Hal, once in a while you have to say you were, you were wrong all. When they hired this coach, he was real young, Miami coach, and I thought that he was just there to be, you know, LeBron's whipping boy. And it, it, I tell you what, he's a turned, lot of people thought that. I, you know, but he, I, whatever. I think he's turned into a fantastic coach. No doubt about it. I, I think he's considered widely to be a, a top five coach in the league. No doubt about it. And he seems like you know, I was surprised that he was still coaching. No, I watched. I turned the game on because I hadn't seen a Miami game in forever. And I'm like, did they hire him back? <laughs> You know, yeah, he never left. He just they, 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 he well, they be. built a program. They're similar to what you know the Spurs have done with San Antonio, kind of keeping Popovich and keeping yeah. their thing together. And you know, even through some some lean years, uh, they said, you know, this is our culture. This is how we do things. And it's Pat Riley at the top and, and Spolstra uh, running the coaching staff. They've kept Udonis Haslam as basically a, a player coach for the last five. He doesn't even play. He's the oldest player in the NBA. In fact, I think he's the only player in the NBA that's older than me. <laughs> well, <Wow>. uh, <laughs> he doesn't play, but he's such a valuable locker room guy. That they they're happy paying him a, a salary to just be a, a practice and bench guy. And that's just kind of how they do things there. Well, how old is Riley's got to be? Well, Jerry Sloan's dead. Riley's older than him, right? He's got to be. Well, he's Riley's got to be in his. Is he eighty? I don't know. He's got to be. I'll look it up here. And he was seventy-eight. He was he was a, a real tough player and a good coach. He was you know all along. Plus, he had the greatest slick back hair. Oh yeah, still uh, still still looks good for seventy-eight. You think you're gonna go with the with the bro cream look one of these days, Manny? <laughs> I don't know. The, the Gordon Gecko slick it back look. <laughs> I can't. See, you don't have the slick back look, do you? Hell, I don't remember that. Uh, I used to have it. It wasn't really that I slicked it back. It's just that um, I don't spend much time in the mirror, and I get out of the shower, and my hair is kind of like back. <laughs> God. So what? What do you make of? Uh, I I keep going through these numbers every day, and then I went to the, I foolishly went to the store the other day, and saw how much things have inflated since the last time I was at a Home Depot. Um, I almost feel like digging through my receipts from like three years ago and actually comparing because then I'd be horrified. How do you even how do you even look at like these Lowe's numbers, Hal, and figure out what the hell's going on there? They got four point three percent down in, uh, in in sales or something, yet their revenue is up. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't even. How do you make how do you make even Henry Taylor whether they're doing better or not? Whether they get more people, less? What the comparable sales dropped four point three percent in the quarter. Uh, I don't know, and yet the revenue is up. Uh, the revenue is up. Uh, well, it's twenty-two billion versus twenty-one uh, adjusted. But the uh, they had the the net income. Well, we got the net income. Revenues, net sales uh, fell to twenty-two billion from twenty-three in the year ago period. I gotta believe that the prices are up eight or ten. So it's really. Almost like, I mean, if you did that, what, what is there? The, the amount of widgets has to be down 7 8%. I, I, I yeah, think, 
I, I think the quantity's way down, and I think the prices are up, just like you said. I mean, I go to I go to Home Depot probably once every couple of weeks, and uh, it, it's kind of shocking. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's shocking. Um, but yeah, when you got four or five percent inflation, and the government's telling you that's four or five percent inflation, and you, you, and you you buy that number uh, when sales are up or when they're down four percent, they're actually probably down nine percent, right? Yeah, it's probably even worse than we think. Well, how do you, how do you, uh, is is it the 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 anti? Well, I'm trying to, I'm not want to lead the witness here, but the weird the weird part seems to be, you know, and I guess this this goes back forever, but the weird weird part seems to be if if you you might find a a storm door on sale someplace, you know, in the Menards, uh, you know, circular or something. And everybody sort of has to match that. Or I think your 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 cost of two by fours are always something that's uh you know leading the pack. But the thing I find they're absolutely gouging you where the sun don't shine. I, I think the last time I bought a, a pneumatic, what, 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 do you, what do you call those things that go on the screen door to stop it from flying open and, and make it close? Uh, the pneumatic. Tube oh, the uh, strut. No, the, the tube thing, like the pneumatic pneumatic yeah, tube the, thing. The, yeah, the strut. Yeah, yeah. and uh, thirty bucks. I think last time I bought one, it was uh, fifteen or sixteen. I mean, I, or maybe eighteen, or maybe not even that. I mean, that that kind of stuff. I mean, the the, the tile. You know, I think that you can find a leader in tile. God help you when you go go to buy the glue. I mean, is it is it just you know they they zero in on the stuff that you're not going to compare store to store. I mean, I mean nobody's going to. You might go to another place to buy the tile a little cheaper. I doubt if you're going to go somewhere else to, to buy the glue a little cheaper. You think they're all the same, and they're not. I don't I mean. It, is this just because these stores are so big they can they can hide these kind of increases? I mean, it's not the ha- it's not the hammer; it's the nail. You know, it's a, or is there, am I just noticing it because I I notice it? Well, I mean, you look at batteries. I mean, I used to sell batteries in the '90s, and forever it seemed like battery a good battery would be like you know a great diehard gold was like always under hundred dollars, and then. One year, I uh, had to get a, a battery for my my van, and I walk in, and I felt like I got gut punched because the batteries were like close to 150 bucks. Yeah, and I was like, "What happened?" Right? So it just seemed like forever it was you know right around 90 to 89 dollars, and then all of a sudden, now the I haven't priced out a battery in a long time because I take really good care of my batteries. Well, they don't last don't as long either. They're, they're not as heavy. They don't last as long. Yeah. Well, I I try not to ever deep deep cycle them. And I have a low two amp charger because the last time I got I, I bought one I was like you know I, I was pushing two hundred bucks and I couldn't believe it. But you know that's that's what the Fed does. The Fed creates uh, it prints money, uh, and then we saw a bunch of it being printed during the pandemic. The Fed, the, the the Treasury, the the Congress, the President Trump, Biden were just pumping up uh, the deficit and and the debt, and the Federal Reserve is accommodating. The Federal Reserve, directly or indirectly, buys it all up, right? Yep. Or most of it. And in order to do that, they have to print the money. So even though inflation might be 5%, we're still stuck with prices being 40%, 50% more than they were than before the pandemic. So, you know, you might get, you know, 4% increase in prices now. That's on top of prices already raising 40%. And if your income's not keeping up with that, you're really filling the crunch. You're feeling that squeeze. Well, we're starting to get uh, people, I'll say, we use the term regular people. I guess we're not regular, Hal, because we actually look at this stuff all day. 
and we're probably not regular no matter what. But uh, one of my, uh, you know, what I'm talking about, uh, Maddie, big, big Dan, uh, my my niece's uh, boyfriend. He's a yeah. paramedic, real nice guy. My, my brother had a big dinner, and so we go over, and he's sitting there. And he goes, "Chief, I keep looking at these inflation numbers, and they keep telling me it's five percent, four and a half year over year." He goes, "Everything." Is thirty five percent higher than it was before COVID? What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's and he's a regular guy. You know, I mean, when I say a regular guy, this is not his job. His job to go is to go save people, right? <laughs> he's not watching the TV and watching this stuff all day like you and I. And he's like, God, we're, we're not even on the same planet of what they're telling me. I mean, are, are people starting to figure it out or what? Or, or no? I well, mean, my, my brother Ryan, uh, he used to be, you know, kind of a progressive which is an oddity in Idaho, but it's northern Idaho, and people in northern Idaho tend to be more progressive than people in the southern part of the state. It's kind of like Iraq, where you have, you know, the the, the Kurds, the the uh, Sunnis, and the Shiites, right? Yeah. You have three parts of Idaho. And he, he tended to be very, you know, progressive, and he never wanted to talk politics on Facebook, but I don't know what happened to him in the last two or three years, but he, he's really starting to sound like a libertarian. <laughs> He posted on Facebook that uh, because his son is healthy and he has he hasn't had a need to go to the doctor, they call up their you know local family clinic to schedule an appointment for him because he's going off to college, and they want to get him a checkup. And he hadn't been to the doctor for a couple of years, and the doctor said the doctor's office said, well because uh, we haven't seen him in two years, we dropped him from our plan. And Ryan just went off on a rant on Facebook and I just said, hey. You know, they have a monopoly. It's a cartel. They have this cartel of doctors, uh, health care providers, and they can keep the competitors out. And when you have a monopoly, prices tend to go up. Quality either stagnates or goes down. And customer service goes out the window. They don't need to be – they don't need to compete for your services because there's only one or two in the valley. So Ryan's – it, it, it seems like he's involved into – and he's not a quantitative guy. He's not a guy that watches the news a lot. He's a guy that's a rah-rah football guy. And if Ryan's making the transition from kind of being a progressive, I want to vote for, you know, vote down the, the corporations and vote up the unions. And if Ryan's making the transition to libertarianism, then, I, I you know, I kind of feel good. He's my barometer on – because he's he is. He, he worked in a in a, a manufacturing facility. He, he, his company builds manufacturers' bullets. And I think they're one of the biggest – bullet manufacturers on the planet and really? he's a blue collar guy and when he starts leaning toward libertarianism I got hope well I mean it's it's kind of stunning that when uh, this whole and, and Greg he uh, you know he gave me the heads up even though we look at the stuff all day the idea that I, I, I never did this I thought it was always going pretty fast you know the debt clock and you see that the thing's spinning how fast the debt keeps going up well Greg of course pulls out the Stopwatch and it's a million dollars every. I think he said forty and a half seconds. You know, and and how we can have everybody on the on the uh, CNBC and Fox business, we're, a, a million words today are going to be spoken about these these budget things, and that one person will say anything about the the, the magnitude of the problem. You know, at, at the end of the day, oh, they won't. No, I mean, at the end of the day, what are they going to do if they have a a big hissy fit fight and a uh, and they both sides cave on some stuff, and we get a little more taxes, which we probably won't, and a little more, a little less spending. What, what are we going to go from forty and a half seconds to forty two? I mean, we're, yeah. we're not we're not anywhere near close to. I mean, we're we're talking about a, a government that's, that is 
spending thirty percent, thirty to forty percent more than they take in. We're not even. We're not even. That's the problem. I mean, it, and and most people think that the, whatever it is, as long as the market stays up, and I don't, and my taxes don't go up. It's actually I have a piece of paper that a huge survey they did countrywide. They said they they really wish the government would balance their budget without lowering Social Security, pensions, defense, and like three other things. And I'm sitting there going, okay, if you don't lower any, <laughs> you don't lower. Any, does, okay, does, that's does, not going to happen then. Does anybody does anybody have a calculator that can add much less people add themselves? I mean, this is we're not even on the same plan. That's why I never when you talk about some of the libertarian guys, man, I don't know where you'd put like guys like uh, uh, you know Bernie Sanders and so forth, and they'll say, "Well, gee, we're going to put through a transaction tax and we're going to get rid of the national debt." And I'm sitting there going, "There's not that much money in all the stock markets in all the world that you could you can begin to do that." What do you do? You have a calculator that works? I mean, what's wrong with you? I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody has a handle on the, on the well, magnitude of this. You know, stuff. Tom, I got lots of hope. I mean, yeah, I got my brother Ryan coming around. RFK Jr., I kind of follow him on Twitter. RFK Jr. retweeted or tweeted a Lou Rockwell article. Lou Rockwell is like a uh, libertarian, more extreme than me. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. So I think people are coming around. Slowly but surely, they're coming around to this idea that what we have is not free markets. And free, it, it, you have a free market system when companies, you know you do, or you have a free market pockets when companies kiss the consumer's butt. And you don't have that in a lot of areas. And I, I think that kind of goes away when you know the Fed is pumping it up and interest rates are low and credit's cheap and, and firms can kind of misbehave. But when things get tight, look at Bud Light. Hey, that rhymes. Yeah. When things get tight, all you gotta do is look at Bud Light. Bud Light promoted, you know, a trans. You know, if you're transgender, that's cool. It's your thing. It's not my thing. But if you're, you know, they promoted a transgender, created a commemorative can for this uh, person. And do they not know who their customers are? The customers are beer drinking, four by four truck driving, uh, shoot the turkey with the bow and arrow in in August, get the tags for the. Or the uh, elk and the deer, and they watch football. They're not who their who their customers are. Well, and you're seeing it right now. I have, know, I have a question for you regarding that. I have a question for you and Mr. Weber. Not that Mr. Weber hangs around up in Boys Town, but uh, why is it of all the products they have? Why has there been no mention of regular Budweiser? No mention of Michelob. No mention of Ultra White. It, and how can I put this? They only carry Bud Light in the gay bars. They don't carry the other stuff. Or what? What are we talking about here? I, I, they have a whole smear of products. Why is it just the one? The one? Well, I think Bud Light is their biggest product. It is okay. And yeah, I think it's their biggest product. Right? I think the other ones are. You well, know, so like, when, I, so like when poor... I drink beer, when I drink beer on a regular basis, everybody I hung out with either drunk drank Bush Light or Bud Light. Everybody I hung out. So with. like Coors Light you know, is, was... is the thing now. You don't. You almost have to. You know, almost you almost can't even find the Coors, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, Coors Light. I, I tweeted a graphic of Coors Light sales year over year, and as Bud Light has sunk, Coors Light and Miller have uh, increased. So I think I think when Bud Light did what they did, not I guess not understand who their customers are. Um, it, that was shared. It goes viral, and people are gonna like. I'm not drinking Bud Light anymore. I'm gonna drink their their competitors, right? 
So I think it's kind of a viral thing. It, it, you know how a video goes viral. Well, then they, then they pulled the thing back and pissed off all the other people. Yeah, they, they pissed off the left. They yeah. pissed off the LGBTQ plus. Group, so they made, right? they made it piss everybody off. They, they, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is when you have competitor, you have to kiss your consumers, your customers' rear ends, uh, and you have to know who they are. And if you don't like them, you're probably going to make some political decision that upsets them, and you're going to get Dixie chicked. I got to change the verb from Dixie chicked to Bud Lighted. Yeah. Well, what, I remember. Uh, I bet you're a guy who still has uh, his six pack of Billy beer. <laughs> I was too young for that. God, it was a uh, well. Evidently, it's valuable only if they're unopened. But of course, everybody drank them and just put the, the empties back in the thingy. <laughs> I can I can barely remember that. Oh God, it was a. Uh, I, I I remember when there used to be a real lot of brands of beer. I mean, and there aren't yeah. any more. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't, I don't get. Well, they're all owned by one company. Yeah, they're right? all owned by one company. Yeah, but I mean, that was. I mean, hell, we we used to. There were all kinds of. Well, Chicago was a had a lot of Schlitz. Schlitz actually was when Bud went on strike. Schlitz became the number one beer in Chicago for a while. Yeah. Well, but, do you remember the? Uh, I remember Monday Night Football when they used to advertise beer on TV. Remember the Rainier beer commercial with yeah. the motorcycle? Yeah. Rainier beer as he's driving around Mount. Oh yeah, they, when, I, when I first went to uh, out skiing, they had I thought Olympia was made in Seattle it was actually better than Coors. And two years later, somebody bought those guys and they were out of business. I mean, yeah. Detroit was Stroh's, right? The uh, uh, the aliens. Have you ever seen those commercials made where the aliens came down and guy you'd be standing in your kitchen and all of a sudden all your cabinets and refrigerators are flying open? The aliens were looking for your Stroh's. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so my my girlfriend at the time, I'm, I'm cooking at my place, and she comes over. Of course, I'm doing the cooking, and uh, I've got all my cabinets open. She goes, "What is this? A Stroh's commercial?" <laughs> 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 but but man, they had some pretty cool. I mean, the, the commercials for hams were the best. I liked light beer from Miller from the uh, 1980s. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you can call me Bill, or you can call me. But don't. Yeah, it was, I mean, they had a. Who was the first time? It was Marv Thornberry, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Remember the Mar- Marv Thornberry, Matty was the, like the the last pick of the New York Mets in 1962, and he managed the last. I, I don't know how many years he lasted for the Mets, but he, you know, batted two ten, two twenty. He was, out of, you know, I'm sure if he played on our softball team, he'd be the best player we ever saw. But he was like the worst player to ever play Major League Baseball. And so Marv Thornberry does the commercial. At the other commercial, he goes, "I still don't understand why they asked me to make this commercial." That was a, that was a line, that was a line in the commercial. But I mean, everybody knew who Marv, Marv Thornberry was because he was like the, the Bob Euchre, you know, of, of his yeah. day. And uh, but I mean, yeah, it, but there was all kinds. Of, I, I liked the different one in, in uh, what was the one in uh, South Bend? It was Drury's right? So we drank down in South Bend. It was a pitcher of Drury's was a buck twenty. Um, you know, every every town had their own. The stuff that was nasty, my buddies used to bring it from uh, Rhode Island. Do you ever have Narragansett? God, was that awful. I've not had that. It's It's been gone a while. Then, then Texas uh, was what, Lone Star? Lone Star, yeah. yeah. Lone Star has uh, gotten big. They're, you can get those here now. Well, my uh, the, the Coors... Well, nothing uh, nothing is worse than Foster's. Oh, yeah. Well, my... It's, it's pretty bad. I got a little or bit of a Coors PBR, story. PBR is pretty bad, too. My brother was working for... Uh, for uh, was it Union Tank? No, it was the other guys. And one of the tank car companies. And uh, he was out doing a presentation to Coors. For those of this is not a Coors commercial, but Coors was trying to figure out <clears throat> where they should 
another place to brew their beer because obviously they went national and they they uh they only wanted the biggest for those that have never brewed beer my brother's really into this uh the hardest thing to do making your beer taste the same in different places what is the chemistry of the water oh yeah if the water if the water is different i mean budweiser the one in st louis essentially takes their water out of the mississippi right the one the one in in uh New Jersey takes it out of wherever the river is in New Jersey. They have all these breweries. Uh, I think maybe it's out of the Hudson. I'm not sure, but yeah. well, Hudson's salt water, like half, whatever, right? Yeah. Well, further up north, further up north. But wherever the point is to make the water that you start with the same is real. You really got to know what you're doing. So, yeah. so Coors decided to not take that chance. So even though you get Coors on the East Coast and so so forth, it's bottled in Virginia, but it's not made there. It's made in Colorado, so my brother was was uh, was with the tank car company, and Coors wanted uh, tank cars that you could you could fill the tank car up with beer in Colorado, drive it over three days, whatever it takes to get to Virginia, and no matter what the weather, whether it was 105 or minus five, the beer inside would not move more than three or four degrees, and uh, they put together a tank car which has, it's a double tank. And I think between the tanks is like six or eight inches of this incredible foam insulation, and it doesn't matter. You can you can put that thing out, and it's ten below, or if it's a hundred degrees, and in the sun or whatever, and for four or five days, and it, the, the inside does not move more than like three degrees. Wow! But and the, there's no uh, there's no refrigeration system. No, no. Wow, that's and, impressive. And uh, so they he's out there, and remember uh, this is at the old Mile High Stadium. Remember the classic, well, the, the Coors takes him to the stadium, and he's in the Coors skybox, right? And next to him, it's snowing like hell, and it was the game where the kicker, the guy threw the snowball, and it landed next to the kicker, and he missed the kick. Remember that? Way back in the day? The guy, the guy wings the snowball on the field, and it landed right next to the kicker when he was kicking, so he shanked the kick. <laughs> it's the, the opposing team. Well, my brother said that was in the skybox next to him. Because it's a one hell of a throw from the skybox to the field. Because this guy must have been like a minor league pitcher. He sees the guy make the snowball, winging out of the field, no warm ups or anything. He said the thing was like two hundred some feet in the air. <laughs> next to the kicker, <laughs> the guy blew the kick. It was the same time he was out there trying to design these cars for these guys. I mean, amazing the stories you get. Let's go a quick break here. How we come back? Let's dig more into some of these uh, uh, kind of budget numbers and and why. Uh, in your opinion, why all of a sudden the dollar is getting stronger? Are, are the central banks kind of decoupling here or whatever? They've been pretty pretty even for a while, and all of a sudden we're we're seeing like a decoupling here in the, the dollar versus the euro and the yen a little bit. SP futures down 11, SP futures down 43, and what does that mean to our gold holdings and silver and other stuff? We'll be right back. Stacks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bay Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mike Weber. The board SP Futures down 11. As if you just down 41. So we're down a little bit. We were up last night, but uh, now we're we're sliding a little bit here. Uh, uh, we're, the debt ceiling thing is off again and again, again uh, discussions. I suspect maybe Brendan will end up being right where we'll just extend it six months or whatever. I don't know if it gets too close to an election or whatever it does, but they have done that before. That's just one man's prediction. We're in Europe. We've got the DAX down 50.3%. FTSE up 27.3%. CAC around down 70, which is almost a full 1%. So we have a little bit of a uh, disconnect there with the CAC around down more than the rest of the guys. Raise, we got the Nikkei down 129. This is off a, yeah, it's got to be almost like a 20 year high. They were over 31,000 yesterday. So that's they're still way up there. Hang Seng, however, is at a two month low, down 246. That's one and a quarter percent to 19,431. So Hang Seng and the Nikkei have clearly been going in different directions the last few months. A Shanghai down 50, this is one and a half percent. So uh, you know, it's a big move, big move for those guys. Yesterday, 
We were down on 140, S&P up 65 cents, NASDAQ up 62. So we continue to have the Dow struggling and the NASDAQ up 62. And I know for a guy who uh, does a lot of protected index stuff for people, uh, it's been a struggle this year because everybody thinks they should be up like the QQQs, the 20%. And at the end of last year, nobody wanted to be in the Qs. So a lot of people were in the Russell and the S&P, which are not, they're doing okay, but they're not doing anything like the Qs. It's been six stocks that have been leading us. It's been very difficult to be on those six stacks because last year there were six stacks that brought us down, so it's hard to do. Uh, Ten-year, up to four basis points, 3.75. The Bund up four, uh, four basis points, 2.49. Japan up three basis points, 0.42. We've got oil, up a dollar two seventy three oh seven. so it's getting near kind of the top end of this range. As, uh, the Saudi prince warned, warned against the next OPEC meeting, and don't take it lightly this time. Uh, Brent up 97 cents, 76.96. Uh, natural gas down a penny, 238. Our Bob up seven cents. That's a big move, uh, 272. Uh, gold down 16 bucks, 1961. Now it's a long way from 2000, and nowhere near 2100 where we thought it might be going. Silver though, almost down three percent. That's 62 cents. 23.45 in copper, down over a percent and a half. But down five cents, 363. So your manufacturing metals are getting whacked there. Uh, crypto up 486, 27,335, back over 27,000. And the U.S. dollar, which we were talking about with Hal, is uh, stronger again today with the pound down one, below 108 to 1076. Uh, I'm sorry, the euro to 1076 and the, and the pound down to 1.37. So all these guys have been getting hammered the last few weeks, which affects all these other prices. Matty, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? Coming up on 38 minutes past the hour, good morning once again to everyone out there. We're seeing uh, traffic building steadily on the area expressways, uh, well over an hour now from O'Hare into downtown on the Kennedy. That's our slowest mover, but the Eisenhower is right there with it. Uh, but no accidents to report, so that's good news on any of the area expressways. Only two accidents on the screen right now. Uh, one's on the south side, Lake Park Avenue at 53rd Street. And then uh, on the northwest side, there's a crash, uh, Irving Park Road at Route 83. Uh, but everything else in good out there. Weather today, a beautiful uh, day here on this Tuesday. Sunshine with a high of 75. Right now it's crystal clear and 61 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny and hot with a high of 100. Right now it's clear and 79. In sports, White Sox were shut out by the Guardians 3-0. Cubs were off. They'll host the Mets tonight at Wrigley. That's a 6.40 Chicago time first pitch. D-backs doubled up the Phillies 6-3. And in NBA basketball, the Denver Nuggets have advanced to the NBA Finals for the first time in their 47-year history. They beat the Lakers last night 113-111, sweeping the four-game series. Chief. The, uh, give uh, Betty here a quick, well, while well, well, Hal is mulling the movement in the dollar here and how it's affecting everything else, uh, ask Betty a question. Regarding the Cubs, I, uh, you know, as you know, I don't have my tickets anymore, and I probably don't care as much as I used to. But it seems... They, they, if you're watching the team, which I still do, uh, reluctantly, but I do, um, they're in a, they're in a middle ground here. I, I uh, they must they must think, and I know I bring this name up all the time, they must think that this guy uh, Patrick Wisdom is not part of the team two three years from now. He's not part of the future. Because I would agree, um, and I, you know, and maybe they're right on that. But I also. When I watch him or I go to the game, I really don't mind them pe- playing the people that give them the best chance to win that night. I mean, they'll bring up some kid from AAA, and maybe they think he might be the solution. They want to try him out. And you'll they'll sit the guy who's their leading home run hitter for two, three games in a row. And I, 
you know, he play, he was the only guy who put any runs together for the team on Saturday, and on Sunday they lose two to one, and the guy's on the bench. I mean, what we, while the guy's playing third base is over for the the generation. I, I you know, I'm, the guy's not Babe Ruth, but I mean, right now he clearly, if you're trying to score today, he belongs in the lineup. Even if he's, I mean, I, and yet he's not. I mean, I, I are, are they in this middle ground here where they're they're, they're sort of trying to win, but sort of trying to test guys out? Or, I mean, what are they doing here? It's a good question. Um, I don't think they expected to be five games over or early like they were and playing really well. Well, they fixed that. And then, uh, then you know, then they had some injuries, and then they, you know, they played some really good teams in, in a row, and, and then they bl- the bullpen blew some games, and it all sort of spiraled, and now they find themselves six games under, which is probably, you know, maybe more like where they thought they would be. But I, but they are in kind of a transitional period. I think that they are in their sort of 2014 year. If you remember back to before the the run they yeah. had, you know, where they were really good for about six straight seasons, beginning in 2015, where 2014 they had a mix of young, you know, really good players, and then some some veteran guys, and then they had guys in the minors that were close, and uh, and you know they they kind of sputtered and struggled and and weren't sure what to do and then at the end of the season they started playing really good ball and then they took that momentum and then 2015 they really took off and then obviously 2016 they ended up winning it all I'm not saying they're going to win it all in two years but I wouldn't be surprised if for the next three or four years they're a consistent playoff team um, after this season well, and, and maybe it starts they could season. be and my point is is that. Uh, that that's built around Nico Horner. That's built around Dansby Swanson. That's built around Ian Happ. That's built around Matt Mervis. That's around the two or three really good players they have in the minor leagues that are coming up soon. Highlighted by Pete Crow Armstrong, their number one prospect. And I don't think Patrick Wisdom is part of that. Um, so even though Wisdom is a great home run hitter and plays a solid, you know, third base or wherever you put him, uh, he's in his you know 30s now, and I, I don't think they see him being a major part. Now that doesn't mean he can't be a DH or uh, you know a fill-in guy, uh, but it just so happens he's a really good home run hitter and doesn't really do anything else that great. And they, you know, I don't think they see him as part of their their main core. That's just kind of. Uh, well, my I'm, I'm, right, I'm right with you. All I'm saying is they sure as hell could use him Sunday. They had nothing. <laughs> I mean, uh, right? Yeah, I mean they scored one run. I mean, I, 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 the somewhere along the line. I mean, I, there, there's this. You can't be tanking already. <laughs> It's only May. Well, I don't think they're tanking because I think they they realize the division is weak this year. The Cardinals are really struggling. Uh, they're playing a little better the last couple of weeks, but they got off to a bad start. The Brewers are underachieving. And so even as bad as the Cubs have been the last few weeks, they're still right in the thick of it. Um, and so I don't think they're tanking. But, you know, they, they've had some injuries. Bellinger has been hurt. Horner was hurt. Uh, you know, Suzuki missed some time earlier in the year. Jamison Tyon, their, their big free agent signing pitcher, has been battling injury uh Hendricks is is still hasn't made his debut yet um so you know I think they're trying to tread water and and I think Ross is trying to put the best lineup he can out there every day uh but you know was, See, I don't I don't think he is I, I mean I I think he is I mean that the only exception to that maybe is is Mervis I mean you call it Matt Mervis and he's one of your your top prospects power hitting first baseman you're going to play him every day otherwise you're going to send him back down so even though he's struggling uh you're still got to play him every day because you don't want to, you don't want to. Well, but I mean, growth. sometimes, sometimes, or you uh, send him back down. Well, sometimes, as, as Hal might say, we get him in there. You can be a victim of circumstance. Right now, I look at the team at the beginning of the year, and I'm with you, Matty, 100. percent I look at the degradation of the division around you. I might say, you know what? Let's 
let's no matter how old they are, let, let's play the Madrigals, and we might maybe we'll sneak this division this year. I agree with you, and that's a decision you have to make. But you, um, if if your younger players that are really close that you think are going to be a big big part of the future, and you know that doesn't mean you're going to be right on every single one of them. And maybe Mervis isn't, you know, what they think he is. But uh, you you have to play that guy every day. So either you leave him in AAA and you play him every day, or you you call him up and you play him every day. You can't that. That's, I, I'm 100 you know with you mean? on that. The 24 year old guy is not the guy you mess around with. The 32 year old guy that's had his 10 years of chances is a guy you can kind of sit. That's I think that's the philosophy. Well, I mean, there are 32 year old guys that all of a sudden carry a team and get hit. You know, five home runs in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, there's no doubt, and wisdom is capable of that. I just, I just think right now, given what's going, now if they were in the Eastern Division of the a- American League, I'm right with you. In this division, I'm not so sure they can't win it. I, I agree. I think they could. Uh, Hal, Hal, sorry for that, bud. We have a chance to. You're right. You have a chance. I was thinking about Crash Davis and his advice. Yeah, he was given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, I don't, you know, but it, but it's kind of weird when you're doing this stuff because you. It's it's not all about. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's the opposition. You know, if all of a sudden you, you think you got a chance, you look at your guys and go, "We might have enough to make a run here." I think you do. I mean, I've, I've always been the guy paying for the tickets. You know, and whenever they, you start doing this stuff and, and dumbing it down and, and and you know giving it up, I mean, I, at some point here, Maddie, this Mervis kid has to do something, or he's got to go back down for a month. Yeah, and I think that that's that's exactly the decision they're going to have to make. And I don't, you know, I. Uh, but you can't call him up here and then not play him. I, 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 oh, that's that's yeah. crazy to do that. Yeah. That part I get. All right. So what what is causing? I was always kind of uh, shocked tail through this whole mess with the COVID and everything and pouring money in the system. I never saw the central banks so attached at the hip, uh, doing it together to where even no matter how much you, dollars you pushed in the system, the, the European Central Bank was doing the same thing over there. Now all of a sudden they seem to be. A little unglued, where the dollar is all of a sudden really strengthening here. Uh, why is that? I mean, it's causing it's gold prices to go down. Is, is it uh, we're cutting back on ours and they're not? Or I don't know if we're. Well, cutting, if you look, if you look at M two in China, it is down, but it's within the seasonal variation. So the trend is up. In the United States, M two is way down from its peak. Uh, in the UK, it kind of seems to be going sideways and then if you look at the euro m2 it's on a downward trend but not as pronounced as the u.s and if you if you extend the trend before the pandemic their m2 is probably where it would have been in the absence of the pandemic response so if if you if you just look at the m2 in these different regions of the world the US, u.s is the most restrictive also if you look at the interest rate spreads the U.S.'s inter- interbank rate is 5, 5.25, right? And it, it's like 500 basis points higher than Japan's negative rate. Uh, if you look at the PMIs that just came out in Europe, the PMI is below 50 and headed down in both Europe and the U.K. Japan's PMI kind of looks like the U.S.'s. It's kind of hit a bottom and seems to be coming back up. Uh, China seems to be going sideways. So if you look at the spreads and how inflationary the central banks are, I think the demand for dollars is quite high because things look less bad in the United States. And, by the way, you can buy 
the U.S. Treasury and get a 5% yield. And that's much better relative to our inflation rate than I think it is in Europe or Japan. Well, I think with these numbers, it really depends. You just talked about M2. Well, of course, we're not getting there. We're getting that on a six-week late number, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. But if you look at the trends. But if you look at the trends. I know, but if you look in the, uh, you, you sound like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the little, the little weird dude from Wharton? What's his name? A little weird dude. The economist that's always on. Uh, yeah, on CNBC. Yeah, what the hell's his name? Anyway, but. I, yeah. It, I mean, if I you forgot. look at him, he's look at look at how much his M2 is going down, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. yet, if you listen, if you listen to uh, our man Carl, you know, or even meet a little bit, and we'll bounce this off you, uh, we went from. Uh, four trillion two or four trillion one five on the balance sheet on February twenty sixth, twenty twenty. So basically a month before COVID, right? Yeah. And uh we went from there to a high of I'm gonna say nine eight eight nine five five, something like that. Eight nine yeah, eight nine five five. So we basically more than doubled it, right? Oh yeah, and we're still way above the okay, so I'm saying, trend on M2. And then we went, we yeah. went to this. Don't worry, we're going to drop 40, 43 a month. So we went from the eight nine five five down to a low of, uh, where are we here? Uh, eight three four two. Like, well, the eight nine five five was in uh, in March of uh, twenty twenty two. So in the next year, say, we dropped it um, two hundred billion. Now we're still up four trillion. So, oh yeah. So you can say we're we're moving the thing down, or you could say it's a pimple on the ass of an elephant, one or the other. Yeah. So then we had the, uh, and I'm not saying which is true here. Now in the next week, okay, then because of the the Silicon Bank, we went from four eight three four two back up to eight six three nine. Oh wait a minute, eight eight seven three three. So we took away two-thirds of the entire year's movement yeah. down in two weeks. And now we've been decreasing again. We're down to uh, 8503. So we're only really uh, $400 billion below the top, and we're still well over, well, just over twice as high as 2020. So you can, you can say we're moving down, but Carl would say it's such a pittance. And there was so much money yeah. in the system he didn't even need. We even even we didn't even dragged the slop out, much less, yeah. much less made any kind of move. Yeah, yes. I mean, uh, uh, the, the economists on TV is correct, and so are you. And say, look, it's going down every month. Look at this. We've never we've never seen anything like this yet. Hey, 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 hey. Look, we we just we just flooded the neighborhood, and Hal and, and Matt Weber and Chief showed up with a. With a, with a bucket that the kids would use, and we took three buckets out, and we walked the other way. We didn't make a difference in the flood in the neighborhood. I mean, yeah. I mean which, which side of that? Are you? I, I'm kind of on the... the well, I think I, I agree with you and Carl. I mean, the amount of M2 they created, we're not back to pre-pandemic trend yet. We're way from, a long ways away from pre-pandemic trend. But what I'm saying is um, things are bad here, but I think they're worse yes. in other places. And then you look at the spreads. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna put your money into a Japanese bond making the negative point one percent or no no zero no, percent. Yeah, not, not disagreeing. I mean, anything. I'm just it again. Every day it seems like uh, there there is a theme to the show. Maddie, after how many years, still hasn't figured out what it is. Uh, 
is everything everything depends kind of on everything else. It's, it's sort of yeah. the same sort of deal. I mean, we have people talking about the money supply going down and how the Fed is making progress. Yeah. You look at the whole yeah, numbers. but they're not really. They're yeah, not really. You, you look at the whole numbers and you go, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're not even... We're not even on the same planet. Same, same way. I think it's just. I think our currency is probably the least bad. Right. Well, without a doubt. But yeah. it, but it's the exact same argument as saying, "Hey, look, we just we uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna fix some of this budget stuff. We're gonna go from a million dollars every forty seconds to a million dollars every forty-two seconds. I mean, <laughs> I mean what, what what have we what have we really accomplished here? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, uh, it, politically, with respect to the debt ceiling negotiations. You know, the cameras are turned on, and the Democrats and Republicans are playing to their bases. They're, they're uh, fear-mongering, and they're directing negativity toward the other side. It's all for the cameras. It's all show. When it's all said and done, the thing's going to get lifted. And I think the Democrats have to go along with it because the Republicans, I think, on the, in this situation, they passed a bill that lifts it. Right, they passed a bill that lifts it. Yeah, and they're they're just saying, hey, let's go back to pre-pandemic spending levels. I mean, which which you can't, which, 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 which you, there's no way on earth you can do. Yeah. The, how, when, I'm going to say that the inflation, uh, if, if you're going back to paying for, let's just let's pick the piece out of there that's Medicare. Yeah. Okay, just one little one little spot. You're going to go back to, to paying hospitals for an overnight stay to to March of of 2020. I'll bet it's up 40 percent since then. How yeah. the hell how yeah. the hell are you going to go back to that? Yeah, well, I think I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to negotiate a compromise, and I think the de- the, de- the Democrats have to come on board. They can't say the Republicans want to shut down the government because, you know, in the House they passed a bill. They still haven't passed a bill in the Senate, and you know Joe was supposed to be elected to be this great negotiator, and when he was on the opposite side, negotiating, uh, you know, trying to lift the debt ceiling with a Republican president. He was, you know, saying that we have to negotiate. Yeah, right? we have to yeah. negotiate. Now he's saying I'm not going to negotiate. You got to give me a clean lift, right? So I think they're on the wrong side of it. And well, I, I mean, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he said he wasn't going to negotiate. Compromise. I mean, I'm not a massive fan at all, but I don't think he 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 said that what, what he said, and I think it's accurate. Is McCarthy can't give him a like I mentioned earlier uh, with Kenny. I said if you wanted if you wanted to be um, a, a bad person about it. If you were Biden, I would hold up a piece of paper and I would say, "This is the bill we raised the debt. We raised the debt ceiling a trillion dollars. That's a bill raising it. You're handing me this thing. It's 200 pages long with all these other little things in there. You want to amend every yeah. law we've passed in the last? That's not well. That's how DC works, though. Well, right? I, I get it. Well, yeah. but my, what I, I guess what I'm going with is and it's my my greatest fear, Helen. You know, we're not going to get there, but. Uh, well, two things on this money supply deal. You talked about uh, that in uh, 2000. Here, I'm looking at my debt clock thing. In 2000, M2 was 4.7 trillion, and now it's 20. Point, well, say 21 trillion. So it's yeah, it's up well over four times. And yeah. I'm going to say the GDP is probably maybe a little more than doubled. Yeah, maybe. So we're not. Well, that, even, that depends yeah. on if you buy the inflation adjustments to GDP to make it. You know. No, no, I'm talking about just the. the I'm talking about yeah. the gross one, just the gross GDP. Oh yeah, the gross. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's not even. It's not yeah. even close to yeah. being. It should be up. If everything's were even, it should be up four times, and it's not. Not even close. Yeah. So, so we've had a dramatic inflation. But here's here's my my. I know you're not uh, a monetarist, dude. 
to the extent that I am because I was stuck with those guys for two years in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I remember most about Milton Friedman and inflation was he when he, when you get when he, the, he he always got the headline number that money supply caused inflation blah 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 which I think you and I both agree that it does. Uh, but behind the scenes, if you listen to the man, all he talked about was how inflation was absolutely uneven. And that's the reason why. He goes, if he just, matter of fact, one day he said, I've said it before, and I, I haven't attributed it to him, I should. He said, if he just doubled the money in circulation, and everybody and everybody got you know a $2 bill for every $1 bill they had, uh, you wouldn't accomplish anything. He goes, it would be like a stock split. Every, yeah, every yeah. debt would now double. Everybody's income would now double. But that's not what happens. Some people benefit tremendously by it. Some people are in the right businesses. Some people are in, in, in areas where you can raise prices. Some aren't. Uh, you know, some places are competitive. Some aren't. Uh, th- that kind of thing. So we've already done that. We've realized by doing what we're doing is is eviscerated the middle class and the lower class with this inflation. Oh, yeah. It, it's really yeah. benefited the top 1%. That graph I tweeted out yeah. that Charles Payne liked, um, it shows uh, the, the the amount of cash and demand deposits of the top 1% going from really, you know, in the low millions to exploding by a factor of 4 or 5 yeah. during the quantitative easing period and then exploding by more than a factor of 10 uh, since the pandemic. So... The, the system is completely broke, and it, it really benefits the people at the top. 1%. But, here's, but here's my that's what the Fed does. But here's my greatest fear, Hal, because I don't know the solution here. My 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 concern is, if you were to take Milton Friedman's words to gospel, which most of the time I do, if you try and reverse that and just blanketly pull money out of the system at a, at a real rate, not the rate they're doing now, at a real rate. I think you screw people again going the other way because now the people at the 1% can weather that and the other people can't. The, yeah. the, the, the recession you cause is going to affect the same people you just eviscerated. I, I think yeah. to, go, to all of a sudden drop the money supply by like 30%, like you just raised it by 30%, I don't think you can do that either. I'm not so sure what you do here. That's my that's Well, my I mean, point. look at what the Fed is doing, though. I mean, at the same time... Big, two big failed banks are partnering with the federal government in sharing customer information, like yeah. Bank of America. Yeah. That at the same time that's going on, the Fed jacked up interest rates from basically zero to five point two five in a very short amount of time, which caused a lot of these regional banks, the SVBs, to have this uh, this flip where they they bought these ten year treasuries. Yeah. Three years ago. They can't get out of them, and then all their customers leave, and they go to the bigger banks. So all the deposits are flowing from these small regional banks well, into Bank why, of America. What so is, the Federal Reserve is creating a situation where the banks are getting even bigger. Well, well the, what is Bank of America paying on a deposit now? Anything? Oh, I haven't checked. Uh, yeah, that'd be really quite interesting. I, I think probably the answer is still no. Anyway, yeah. I'll take care of yourself, buddy. Have a nice week. Uh, we're still going to come out there one of these days. If we go do uh, our, our tour of the exchange floor, you might see Maddie Weber and I in a, in a hoodie in the back of the room one of these days in the back of your class. A hoodie and shorts. I love it. I, I don't know about the shorts. I don't think you want to see me in shorts, but we might have to. They'll know I'm not 25 if I'm in a hoodie and shorts. How's that? God. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, SP Futures down 12, Dan's Futures down 62. Maddie, thank you. Great job as usual. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir.
I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.